Welcome back to another episode of Spilling the Behavior Tea Podcast with Sam and Jeanette. Yes, happy, what is today? Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, but also Thursday for when this goes up. (laughs) Yes, I feel like we haven't done this in so long. Yeah, we were recording a few episodes at a time. Mm-hmm. And then we took a little hiatus, took a little break for ourselves, and now we're back. Yeah. But y'all would never know that unless we said it. Yeah. <laughs> so I saw this video yesterday of this girl. I know, I know we, we're in the behavior field and such, but this girl was an esthetician. And what she said resonated with me so much within our field. She said, mm-hmm. she said... Like the way that she talked was not very scientific-y about um, skincare and stuff. She was like, I don't like to use, I don't really use like the scientific-y words. Mm-hmm. So if that's not your thing, like, sorry. <laughs> and I was like, I feel that in our field. Right. Like we don't really like to use scientific words. We're very just regular people. Just, yeah. I don't. I don't, I'm not, I've never been a scientific person. I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't like using scientific words. Yeah. It just doesn't connect with my brain like that. <clears throat> so that's why we're very like and um people. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I totally get where you're coming from because, and we've said it many times that when we do the research or we do training. Yeah. And then we use the proper terminology for things, and we're like, hey, I've been doing that for years. Yeah. I realize it had a name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I kind of feel like it fosters some imposter syndrome, too, because it's like, okay, if it's not scientific, if it's not professional like that, then it's wrong. Yeah, makes perfect sense. But I feel like it's not wrong. Because even like the show we watched, the parent test and stuff, and that that was part of our research. And a lot of that, watching that and like seeing the different parenting styles, and I feel like a little bit from each would go a long way. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of each is what we do. Yeah. And and just because we don't always call things by name or make sense with our sentences, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. doesn't mean it's not right and doesn't mean it's not helpful to some mm-hmm. parents and whatnot so i don't know sometimes i'm like is professionalism all that mm-hmm. or is it better to relate to other others on a similar level mm-hmm. like for me i know that when i'm looking to looking into things i tend to to gravitate more towards someone who is like me or i can relate to I would rather go to towards that because it seems more of my like it seems more realistic to me that I can achieve it or go towards it. For example, like working out. Like I don't follow like wor- like super ripped ripped people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I tend to follow girls that are more like okay, this is kind of the type of body type I would like. They seem more realistic with what they are doing and more like doable mm-hmm. versus like the really ripped ripped person that's like oh scientifically blah 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 like yes there is there is um benefit to that like one girl i do follow that she's 
I do like her body type and whatnot, and that's kind of what I want. And she it, she does back things up with science. Yeah. But the others that are like super hardcore about it, I'm like, I'm just it, it it's a little intimidating. If that makes yeah. sense. And I would like for me, it makes it hard to follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would think the same, like in the field, in our field, it's so many terms. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I would think parents don't want to hear that. Just get to the point and let me yes. like understand what you're saying. Yeah. Because then otherwise, it, it I would think putting myself in the shoes of a parent, if you're coming at me with all these terminologies, I get it. But it makes it sound even more scary. Yeah, that too. Yeah. So in my experience too like it with a doctor like when i had to get my knee surgery they were very just like nonchalant like oh yes this is this, this, this and like using scientific terms and i'm like what i gotta get surgery i've never had surgery before like what do you mean it pushed me away it pushed me back to where i was like no i'm scared like they act like it's nothing to where and it sounds like really scary Mm-hmm. with what they're saying to where I went back like a year later so I lived with my my um knee hurting for a year oh, no. and they were like I told them like you know what I didn't go through with the surgery last time because the doctors were very nonchalant and it scared me mm-hmm. like this is something you guys go through every day but it's not something I go through every day to me it sounded scary Mm-hmm. and I remember the doctor came back and he talked to me and he was like sorry about that like yeah it is something that I go through that I done very many times like it's a it's a torn meniscus it's not super huge it's not a super huge procedure we are we do it pretty often so to us it it is like the, he ended up apologizing but it's like okay bro you could have told me that in the first place I could have gotten this a year ago <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it just pushes people back. Yeah. Yeah. Versus I mean, other people, it it could sometimes breed some trust. Yeah. Oh, I can see that part too. Like, yeah, you know what you're talking about. I mean, I have ma- mad respect for them, but I just, for me, it's not a way that I understand things sometimes. Yeah. No, I could definitely relate, especially my brain. <laughs> but um, I was gonna say that. We also see it like in our private sessions with a lot of parents when they come to us really scared. But then once we we lay it down for them and like show them and we tell them a lot of times they're coming in already practicing a lot of things that we just kind of just have to tweak a little bit here and there. And we're mm-hmm. like, see, you got it. And they're like, oh, OK, yes. Yeah, you can that's... feel their relief after mm-hmm. a session. Yeah, it's like people are scared to come to us, I think, because they can, I don't know what in their mind, probably they build up to think it's going to be like something crazy. And then like the way we lay it out for them, it's like, wow. (laughs) And we just Mm -hmm. kind of feel the load off their back, just kind of little by little coming off. You guys, if I had a penny or a nickel for every client that came to us super skeptical and sketched out like in the beginning like super closed off <laughs> it's just like who are you girls to where an hour later from our 30 minute initial consultation yeah they, <laughs> they are so like for in, like they are so comfortable with us and just mm-hmm. super open and and very a sigh of relief yeah you know? it's and always it's so that, hard to say goodbye <laughs> that, makes, that makes our day yeah and it just it's 
it solidifies that what we're doing is is good like that we're on the right path yeah i just it's so crazy to see the when we first start our session just to see the stress in their mm-hmm. face like i see them very like sketched out about mm-hmm. and then by the end to like, see like the difference <laughs> and they say like we've we, we hear it a lot where they i feel like i've known you girls forever mm-hmm. <laughs> like i want to be your friend i'm like yes and that's Let's the goal go yeah and i think it's it's just that they see like true self and like they they could relate yeah and we're i mean we're already down to earth people that have Mm -hmm. real experiences in this Mm -hmm. field and we've we've seen all different levels of different diagnoses we've Mm -hmm. i mean even though i mean i have less experience than jeanette but i have still Mm -hmm. gone through a lot of different levels Mm -hmm. of autism like worked with kids with different levels of autism and different diagnoses different ones that i didn't even think were part of like this field part of the behavior field so i think it helps that we have that experience and that we relate it to what they're going through and how it's worked for us versus being like just try this Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) (laughs) like to me i like like you know we live in this day and age with reviews right okay how did that work for you did you did it work for you did it work for you did it help you why i think that's why a lot of the times we tell stories to back up why we want to do things like why we do things a certain way or why we recommend certain programs because it's worked for us and we want you to feel what we want you to feel what is the word i'm looking for well it's a lot of emotions we want you to feel because we just we want, want you, feel you to feel comfortable open comfortable to share taking what we are saying mm-hmm. and applying it because i feel like once you hear that it worked for somebody else or that it may not have worked for somebody else and it may work for you or it may have worked in a different way Mm-hmm. tweaked a little bit so what we do is we work on different tools different techniques that a parent could use not just one we give them a couple of different options and you know it's always take what you feel you're gonna it's gonna work best for you mm-hmm. even when in the initial consultation we give a lot yeah. we're always yeah. <laughs> we're always like oh let's just do let's we all we can only offer one thing we can only offer one thing and then we end up that never happens and because we feel for the parents that we want to help we yeah. really want to help and we're passionate and, and it it, it happens organically you guys like we have a plan to follow and trust me that usually goes out the door because once we're talking to a parent you know we could connect we could feel we, we we're compassionate we we feel what you're going through and we want you to feel that we're here for you yeah. and you know there's always a light at the end of the tunnel so our biggest thing is to make sure that that parent walks away from the session knowing like you know we're gonna get through this i'm not alone so you have that support yeah but i mean this is perfect for um like you said i i've been in the field longer than you but the big thing is that the the field has changed it is it's constantly changing and it's i love that more of autistic people and such they're they are all participating more in their movement and mm-hmm. being included in the world yeah. versus like in the past having allies and 
other people speak for them. And I just want to reiterate too, we don't claim to know everything. No. Uh, we may at times sound like we're... And the point I want to get across is that we don't know everything. Mm-hmm. We are more than willing to be corrected and and told the right thing. Like we always preach to be teachable. We want, we are always teachable. We are always learning. We are continuously learning in this field. We don't know every single thing about every single diagnosis. We do know a lot about autism because we've worked with a lot of kids with autism but even then we don't know every single thing about it so we if we we don't mean to sound ignorant if we do we do some we do research but we also don't know everything (laughs) so i we just want to reiterate iterate that and if we offend anybody or anything we just we don't mean to we are just trying to help in any way possible yeah, we're sharing with you guys what has worked for us, what we have seen in the field, everything we've experienced. I mean, the years that we have accumulated in the field, actually doing the being hands on and getting work done and what's worked for us. We want to share with you guys. And that's why also we always want to hear like feedback from people, because we know that, mm-hmm. like I said, uh, I have been in the field longer, but the, it's changing. So my brain is stuck to back then and then i learned so much of the new stuff from sam so it's perfect we compare notes mm-hmm. because I've, i have learned a lot from you so because you always have new people coming into the field with a fresh set of eyes combine the two together and you could do powerful things mm-hmm. that <laughs> so, is true yeah even though i'm I don't have as many years of experience as Jeanette. I was still kind of thrown into the fire mm-hmm. with my past jobs and just kind of like, all right, go for it without much training. And I think, honestly, I think that worked out in my benefit when I first started working with kids mm-hmm. and they were just kind of like, well, are you trained working with kids with autism? And I was like, no. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, you're starting with a kid with autism. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of like, what? Okay. And I did a little bit of research and he ended up being like my, everybody called him like my son. Mm-hmm. So it, maybe it kind of worked out to my advantage because after that, I, I, I don't know how it would have been if I was trained in it mm-hmm. yeah. first rather yeah. than just going and going in blind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, never thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's true because, like I said, my brain is stuck to where mm-hmm. back in the days when I first started in the field and because I got trained, mm-hmm. right? So then you come in and then you have all this new new insight. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, is that what's going on now? <laughs> like, okay. And well, the stuff that I've always implemented, it's, it's nothing that I've been trained in. Yeah. So it's... Because I did get training, which was at the agency. That was the only time I got training. I was like, this feels uncomfortable to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but like, I who would have thought really... that you were onto something, right? Because if you think about it now, like that you you came in doing your own stuff and kind of following your lead or your gut or what felt right to you, I feel like a lot of people are trying to like change towards that way now. Yeah. So it's the same thing, like we said, like back then for me it was like, okay, I'm doing that now, and so then now with the changes that have been put in place. It's like, okay, this is what I started doing now. So it's like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Yeah, okay, true. So, so obviously there were more people out there that felt like you did and they follow their lead too. And now it's like, everybody's jumping on board, but then you're like, wait, well, I started doing this because it didn't feel right for me to do this because of that. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a domino thing. For me, I'm just, I keep saying I'm so stuck in the even terms back then and everything. And then you're always like, no, now we say this level one, mm -hmm. level two. Level, and I'm like, it's so hard, but you know, it's, I was, I was never taught about the levels of autism. I was, this is very recent and I just got it from honestly researching on social media because a lot of autistic advocates are on there on social mm -hmm. media. And I just like to be as much of an ally as possible. So I'm always looking at autistic voices and autistic uh, shows, autistic everything, mm -hmm. just to make sure that we're being as as respectful as possible mm -hmm. and going with what they would want versus what the world wants for them. Yeah, which is amazing to see now. Yes. Like, this is all new to me. Because back then, we when I first started in the field with, in like 2006, you would never- Dang, like, I was graduating fifth grade. <laughs> not, not fifth grade, I was graduating eighth grade. Well, well I, I was, was like- No, I was in ninth I, grade. Yeah. Yeah, like I was not at that time working specifically with kids with special needs, but that's when I started working with kids, period, and started- kind of let you know you get thrown in there you learn as you go so back then i would never um think that someone and back then we would say like someone who has autism mm -hmm. where today is an autistic person so i would never yeah, think like too i remember that too because i would always say like a person with autism and and then now i'm seeing a lot of autistic voices saying like no it's autistic person when when in the past i had seen that supposedly autistic people didn't like being called autistic person yeah so then i'm like i was like what is it i don't i don't know what it, what it is because yes. i want to be as respectful and yeah. as much of an ally as possible yeah because back then we were in the mentality of autism doesn't define a person mm -hmm. so you're gonna you, the proper term is to oh the respectful not the proper term because we didn't know yeah. about them but the respectful thing to say or to describe someone with autism as a person who has autism. But now that we hear their voices, they're saying, no, I'm an autistic person. I'm an, what is mm -hmm. it? I'm an Audi or, you know, they have specifically, yeah. um, you know, they, they know now. So back then it's like to think of someone who's autistic, to think that they could use their voice to let us know how they're feeling mm -hmm. inside. Like I would never think that because in my mind, mm -hmm. that's impossible. So it's mm -hmm. really great to see how far, even though it's still a lot of work that needs to be done, a lot of work, mm -hmm. but how far you know, we've come. So in accepting it and it actually following it mm -hmm. as well, because then it makes you think like, okay, back then was that an actual autistic person saying that, or was it people who claim to be allies? You think it was saying that claim to be allies and now to hear their voice and, and like to give them the power to speak for mm -hmm. themselves that's that's huge yeah because I, yeah it used to be the different severities used to be referred to as like high functioning low functioning severe i actually really like the levels 
mm-hmm. that are being introduced now. Yeah. Well, yeah, because we knew back then, and we used to. This is something that it's been talked about for years. The umbrella for autism is very, very, very big. Yeah, it's a spectrum. It's broad. Yeah. So yeah, but bringing it down to level one, two, and three, I think for me, like, yeah, it's at first I was kind of like, wait, because change. You're not comfortable yeah. with change. You're like, no, wait, mm-hmm. wait. Why are we changing things? Yeah. But I can also see how the words before, like high functioning, low functioning, could be offensive. Like that's kind of rude. Yes, and it's like okay, you. So what? You're uncomfortable with change. It's not about us. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not about what makes us comfortable. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that that was definitely like a big change. But I um, like that they're very broad. Mm-hmm. The level one is requiring support, level two requiring substantial support, and level three requiring very substantial support. Mm-hmm. It pretty much like we it's the same thing that we're doing with the that, that we just started this episode with the terminology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty much. Yeah, it's like because I never I never really to be honest, when I worked with my kids, I never really think of them as high functioning, low functioning or any of that mm-hmm. i just say it's my kid that i'm working with yeah i'm more hands-on with them or i'm less hands-on with them mm-hmm. if you and think which about it that that if you think about it too that could be labeled wrong because you don't know the potential of a child until they are with the correct person right yeah because like, it, let's look at your old case before you you would think let's say back then if we use the term that the terms they used to use back then if when you came into that case and you saw what the child was doing, you would think like, oh, she's she's um, not high function because. Of see, that's they- that's that def- that depends, too, because if you're talking academics, I would have said very high functioning. Mm-hmm. But I if think you're talking behaviors. Still- yeah. Yeah, somewhat. But I've never, I had never thought but of see, that's my your kids. brain, Sam. Exactly. I'd never thought of my kids in that way. Yeah. I'd always, thought of, I'd always thought of like, I'm more, I'm, they're not as independent without mm-hmm. me or like I'm more hands-on with mm-hmm. them. Like you saw me through two cases. So my first case with, I was less hands-on, mm-hmm. way less hands-on. My kid mm-hmm. was way more independent. And my, my second kid Oh, she, I mean, my first kid, way, way more independent than my second kid, but I still had to be there. Mm-hmm. And if I wasn't there at all, then it just mm-hmm. was not a good time. Mm-hmm. But I never thought of them as like low functioning yeah. or high function or whatever. Like my last kiddo, I was more hands on. But as time went on, I didn't need to be as hands on. I did need to stay with my kid. A lot, mm-hmm. off, a lot more often than my first kid, but that was about it. It wasn't really about how she functioned or. Yeah, but see, that's why I say that's through you. That's how your brain works. But if you think about it, coming into a room with people that let's say, let's call them BCBAs, coming into the room. <laughs> let's call them BCBAs. <laughs> in support oh group. In the team, in the educational team, no shade, no shade. Stop, stop. I'm not throwing shade, but I'm saying like coming into a room. I just say because the way that you said that it seemed very specific. I'm just thinking of someone that would step into a room 
in the education team that, you know, would be kind of more like me back old school mentality, right? They would yeah. step into a room, they would see a kid with their device in a corner, and they would automatically write them off as uh, not high functioning, not thinking about all the details you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm saying. It's like just a random person coming into the club. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay. And that's where the labeling is like, you know, not good. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to someone who comes in with your mentality where you're like, well, there's things to take into consideration. Mm -hmm. So it, it, yeah. it needs to be that right person to come in and step in and point that out and then bringing that child to the next level. Yeah. And that's true. And, and obviously there's always progression made, right? Because when I worked with both kids, my first kid, I, um, like, yeah, when I first worked with her, she tested me, she pushed my buttons a little bit, mm -hmm. but I stayed and I just was like, no, you're not getting rid of me that easy. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess she saw that and was like, all right, you could stay mm -hmm. and responded better to me that way. And her re her biggest reinforcer was space because you know older grades are are just like oh i don't want to have an aid yeah which is totally understandable mm -hmm. so i use that to my advantage that was her biggest reinforcer and i would just stay away be the class aid quote unquote and help the whole class and it it worked out in everybody's favor and she knew that the second she like regressed a little bit i would be right right there with her Mm -hmm. But to the class, it didn't seem out of the ordinary because I was there to help everybody. So they yeah. would see me help this kid, this kid, this kid, and then I would help that kid. And it wouldn't really be any different. And then same with my second kid. Yes, mm -hmm. started out not really loving school, not really loving class because she was used to being on an iPad before that all day in class, not going to extracurriculars, not doing class things until I came in yeah, <laughs> and said nay 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 with the iPad all day mm -hmm. and everyone I remember still like BCBA's education team were like dang Sam like you're hardcore you just went whole turkey on the iPad <laughs> <laughs> and I was like well and it took three weeks for no more tantrum yeah. and I feel like those three weeks for her to be like you know what like you did good by me by taking the ipad like yeah. you can feel in her that she was like you did something that's gonna help me in the long run mm -hmm. because i still say it to this day that kiddo knows when someone is disservicing her and she i i feel like after that she just went up and up and up mm -hmm. yeah and it was a beautiful that was a big roadblock huh that was a beautiful thing to witness just my little see. friend yeah it was a whole new world for her right yeah new experience it was cool yes that was nice. That was nice. so yeah it's it's been a change in the field but we know that in 2013 the dsm-5 changed the vocabulary? diagnosis the vocabulary they did um well yeah that's when they they changed because back then it was like you said um high functioning low functioning and now they literally but they changed it to levels in 2013 yeah well that's what i read oh i didn't know i thought it was more recent no i know wow. and that's what i was thinking 2013 like wow yeah like, unless they didn't enforce it as much yeah so because I'm even thinking... in like ips and stuff i never saw levels 
I mean, mm-hmm. not that I actually look at IPs, but I never like saw that language in passports or anything. Yeah, no, and um, so back then, like we had Aspergers, you know, and all that was all that the Aspergers had a whole section in the in the DSM in itself. Mm-hmm. And then, which I was surprised because in 2013 is when I went back to school to get my master's degree. When you go into a site term, you're gonna have a DSM. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I did my undergrad because for criminal justice too, you're gonna have the DSM. So I remember we went through the different, you know, um, diagnosis a mm-hmm. little bit, not so much. But in 2013, even though we had the DSM, we didn't touch the subject. Mm-hmm. So I was surprised to learn that this happened back in 2013. And I yeah. feel like just in recently is when we they, we really or they really started to apply this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because just recently is when we started hearing those voices speak up for themselves. Yeah. Because who would have thought these changes were made in 2013 and back then it wasn't really talked about like it is now. Mm-hmm. And of course, obviously it makes a difference, social media and, you know. Yeah, like that that's what I like the That's like the good thing about social media, right? That now autistic voices can be heard mm-hmm. and advocate for themselves. Yeah. Um. This is a little off topic, but I was talking to my sister the other day about parents of kids, like parents who took some sort of psychology or were psychology majors or something like that, and how they parent their kids versus other parents who aren't. Mm-hmm. I mean, some some parents, I mean, some parents who did do psychology and have kiddos, it's kind of like... Sometimes it, it works out in their favor to where they, they use those skills in parenting, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's opposite and they use it so much outside of their parenting that they when it comes to their kids, they don't. And I think about this as I'm talking about it because one of the parents of the kids I used to work with, she tells me all the time that she thinks when I become a parent that I'm going to be a pushover and be like, oh super nice with my kids and like not really firm and stuff and I'm just like I don't really think so though but I don't know I mean I don't think so I think I'm that's like the part that I'm most excited about when Mm -hmm. becoming a parent like implementing what I've known and what Mm -hmm. I've learned I'm excited to utilize that as a parent and see where that can doing that like utilizing your tools yeah I I mean um that's it's funny that you you mentioned that or that you say that because you know the biggest fight between my sister and I when it comes to my nephew is that she tells me all the time she calls me out on it and she tells me I just love how um you know you you're in the field but when it comes to your nephew you don't implement any you know any plans any behavior any nothing to work with him and I'm like and I tell her all the time like because when it comes to him I just want to be his auntie (laughs) But it's also like you've told me in the past, like you've tried and she doesn't respond well mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. And then I or can't she... like, because I could say like, oh, maybe you should do this. You should do that. But I'm not there 24 yeah. seven. She's going to do what mm-hmm. best works for her because, you know, it, it is always easy to like be like, oh, you should do this. You should try that, you know. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I've got time for that. <laughs> like, yeah. But then I'm like, OK, well, then, you know, like when it comes to me spending time with him, I just, 
want to be auntie you know i don't want to like have to implement anything on him i just want to make sure that when i'm with him he enjoys his time with me mm-hmm. and it's the same it's the same with my my own kid like you know that parent is talking about me because i remember back then they used to be like, oh, yeah but kid. also now that your son is grown uh-huh and you are like you take the feedback that i tell you and you apply it to your relationship with your child so that you can have a better relationship and mm-hmm. that that just made itself known to you for mother's day right in your card right in my card which i was like oh my god this is the best best that's mother's the day. that's the number one thing any mom wants to hear yeah yeah and so back then it was like i didn't like you know so people used to be like oh my god like your kid must be like super well behaved blah 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 because i'm in the field doing this with the kids uh-huh. and i just thinking in my head no he's not but my kid wasn't bad don't get me wrong but I kind of feel like I have people see it as being a pushover Mm -hmm. but then we say the whole gentle parenting thing I've realized I was kind of trying to do that back then where I was like I'd rather not yell at him I'd rather not do this I'd rather kind of try to understand where he's coming from Mm-hmm. which I, I didn't know how I was doing that or you know I didn't know what I was doing until like we got older and then like then when he became an adult well almost an adult and then I was able to like get your feedback and run with it and it made a, it made such a huge difference yeah so that's what I'm saying is like parents who had some sort of psychology background they tend to take feedback better than some parents who aren't Mm-hmm. Some in my experience, from what I've seen and what I've witnessed, and I'm curious to see more psychology major parents and or some psychology background and how they parent their kiddo. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's also like the same with teachers too. Like some teachers, you think like, oh, their kids are angels, probably, okay. and then the teacher's yeah, like, no advance yeah and then the teachers are like no but some some kids i mean some teachers their kids are Mm -hmm. like very on it very like well behaved and academically smart you know it i think i don't know i'm just so curious about like what made them go the route they did with parenting like how they had the energy (laughs) but also i don't know because I've seen like teachers that I work with and they they are with these kids all day and like at the end of the day like I'm tired and they have to still go home and be parent and be be um wives or husbands and Mm -hmm. I'm just like dang yeah and that's how I feel like when I see my nephew I don't want to like just lay out a behavior plan for him I want to lay in bed with him and watch tv and just cuddle and just let him do what makes him happy and what makes him comfortable and so i could totally relate to that and when it comes to uh, being a parent that as well like even though i'm in the field it's it was still so hard for me to parent my own child and just always thinking like am i doing this right and which sucks it's like you shouldn't have to choose like being like in terms of being a teacher like you gotta be with these other kids all day and then go home and like what do you have hopefully you have enough energy for your kiddos mm-hmm. it's hard there ain't no. enough hours in the day no 
No, and as a teacher or someone that works in the field, you are literally giving them your awe. Mm-hmm. And it's 110. such a demanding job. And it's true. By the time you get home, you're so drained. You don't feel like if you see your kid doing something, you're like, okay, can you just not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you don't have the same energy. Especially around I, this time, right? Like when mm-hmm. the, the school year is almost over. You're like, I'm so ready for it to be done. Yeah. Yeah. So that anyways, that was totally off topic. Yeah. But <laughs> so the level one it requiring support, just like somebody to be there, be around to help if they need anything. They're pretty much independent for the most part. For the most part, they could communicate with you. It's just you are pretty much a shadow in the background. Mm-hmm. jumping in when you see because they're gonna need they're gonna need what is the word i'm looking for gotta set the kitties what kitties kitties they're gonna need Re- redirection sometimes oh. that's the word i'm looking for they're gonna need redirection sometimes so you're in the shadow you're in the background just kind of looking from afar and seeing when you need to step in you're mm-hmm. not there 24 7 you're not over their shoulder you're not doing none of that. You're, you have to be able in the classroom setting, like Sam described, you have to be able to blend in and and act like you're helping. Well, you are helping everyone else, but always keeping an eye out for your kiddo, making sure that all their needs are met and that they're good. And for mm-hmm. the most part, they are on their own. Yeah. The level- have you, do you have a lot of experience with this level? I do actually. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's my favorite. <laughs> it's my favorite. Like I always aim at getting my kids to that point. And thankfully, but like when you go, when you start with them, um, I've never jumped into a case that's there already. Okay, see that that's where. So this is where I'm a little confused with the levels because they can move around. Mm-hmm. Is that a possibility? I think that the who moves around is the IBI. No, like the like. Kiddos can move from requiring substantial, yeah. Well, yeah, because they can move from level two to level one. Like, is that a thing? Because I haven't read that. That's a good question because I have not read that either. But I think going into the field, it would be like what we talk about. Obviously, you and and maybe I don't know. It it would be good to look into if it's talked about somewhere. But oh, there it goes. It's important to know that those categories are not rigid and the severity of autism can change over time as individuals develop, receive interventions, and learn coping strategies. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So then I guess that's the change that comes with all of this because back then it wasn't a thing that you would you would move up levels. So yeah. I guess it's going into, like we say, going into and getting our kids to that go up. It would be going down because here it goes from one two and three you start mm-hmm. in a case at three and the goal if if possible because obviously every case is different is to get them to a level one mm-hmm. so i've never ever and i think it has to do with the experience of each case they're always going to put us with the most with level three cases not always no i'm talking about an iba that's very well experienced oh yeah yeah an iba yeah. that's very well experienced they're always and we know because this is the constant battle. They're always going to put us into a level three case 
then when we get our kid, and usually this is the case, when it, when we get our kid to a level two, then they want to switch us to another case. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's Start all over. yeah, and sometimes, and then that's the biggest thing that I think that hasn't changed: taking off an IBI of a case too soon. Mm-hmm. That always becomes an issue because then we'll see regression. Yep. Yeah. It's happened so many times when the kid just starts doing well and they're like, all right, next. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, just because they're doing well doesn't mean they don't need support. Yeah. And, and so they see it as, well, we're going to put someone in your replacement. We're going to replace mm-hmm. you. Sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, that that should be the case. But it, it's not that simple. Because working with the kids, you build that relationship, you build that report, you, it's different. Like just how, I can't even imagine like for the kiddo what that's like. Mm-hmm. Taking away that person that they, they feel more with, comfortable with. That yeah. They come so far with just snatch, snatching them off. And so for me, my, my last case was the biggest case where I was with that case for many, for a long time. So being able to see coming that from a level three, bringing them to a level one, to the point where when I walked away from that case at the perfect time, mm-hmm. and just seeing that that kid was, you know, now he's doing good. Like that's the probably basically alone. Yeah, but I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's alone. But we've worked all those years to get him to that point. Mm-hmm. I wish that was the case. For every case, that's unique, you guys, because that doesn't happen in the field. You're, it's random when you are with the kid for so long in a school setting. Mm-hmm. And we know that in this field, we get switched up all the time. Yeah. And like, so, I understand generalizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very but, important. But I also feel like it's important to take into consideration the kiddo and their abilities and their level, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So... For instance, like if you start with the level one kid and yeah, every two years is fine to change their their aid. But if you're starting with a level three kid and by year two, they're at level three still, mm-hmm. I don't think it's smart to change that person no. that they're with. No, at all. And I, I wish people would listen to us when we say, <laughs> do you know? how much damage you're doing like they just and we don't have a choice in the field when we're in the school setting they tell us you're with this kid now and that's what it is and we don't Mm. have a say so so to have me given the opportunity to be able to work in a case where i could actually go from a level three to a level one in four and a half years Mm-hmm. Like four and a half years sounds like a long time, but this is this is gonna benefit them for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. So if in four and a half years I was able to do that, and now the kiddo is pretty much this independent, like four and a half years working on a case, and it benefited a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Like that's something and- that people need to think about in when they're making these big decisions up there that we have no say so over. And I also feel like generalization is a whole thing that you have to work on in and of itself mm-hmm. and who said this is the max exactly with that but like i feel like because seeing you with your kiddo i feel like you prepared that kiddo for generalization mm-hmm. versus 
because you left you left that kiddo you let that kiddo be independent a lot and left that kiddo alone a lot and had a lot of talks with him about potentially another person and we also Mm -hmm. you and I also talked to that kiddo and would be like oh what if I'm with you or what if you know like we you prepared him for that Uh, yeah so I feel like that should be an extra step in and of itself that people don't really think about Uh maybe I don't know if you even thought of that like that you were doing that like you were preparing him for generalization but I feel like a lot of higher-ups like don't think about that and that you could potentially prepare them for generalizing yeah i actually was working on that because i knew once this child moved on to the next school i wasn't going to go with them Mm -hmm. walking away from this case happened sooner than i had planned for but i was i felt like it was the perfect case for me to retire working in the school system Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. It was the perfect case to to say goodbye to that chapter of my life because this was an opportunity given to me, you guys, that's very rare. We're typically not with our kiddos in a school setting for this long. So this was very rare. So being able to see it from level three to level one and just seeing it's possible with the right person. So I don't know. It was like, yes, I was working towards getting this case ready for the next chapter of their life, mm-hmm. which was going to the middle school. So let's see how that goes next year. <laughs> but I think walking away from this case, I felt good about it because I knew that I did what I needed to do for the child to get him to the next step. And and it just it was the perfect case to to close that chapter of my life and just so people could see what a difference it makes mm-hmm. because the thing is that when we work in the school setting the the norm is you could only be with your kiddo for two years and then you have to move on because kiddos need to learn to work with other people as well they don't want them to become too cold dependent on you and that's where the generalizing comes from but who came up with two years being the max? Like I said, like, and for it, it was four and a half years. That's not normal. But look at how much we were able to get done. Mm-hmm. So if we were looking at cases like. Cases, and that's with COVID included. Yes. So if we were looking at cases with this mentality, we would see so much because we've seen it so many times in this field that an IBI comes in, they get them to this point, then whoever's sitting at their desk, freaking i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say it scratching their ass Comiendo verdura. <laughs> making the decision that you 22 years i'm gonna we're gonna switch things around mm-hmm. because you don't have an ibi you you can't find an ibi that has the experience that you have so you need this person in another case oh we're pulling you you're taking from that child and we've seen mm-hmm. it so many times the regression mm-hmm. so i've you... even said it before i've said it before to higher-ups like don't do that they're gonna mm-hmm. regress oh yeah yeah okay okay do it they regress yeah um what did i say mm-hmm. yeah and it, it's like every case is different sometimes it's not gonna be a connection and taking that 
person away from that case, it's the right thing to do. But when it's working, mm -hmm. let it continue as long as it needs to be done. Because Sam, you're my witness. They tried to take me off that case way before. And I kept saying, no, it's not going to work out. He's not ready. He's not ready. But when the time came for him to be ready, you also heard me say he's ready. Mm -hmm. He's going to be fine without me. Yeah. So and, and that's why I feel like in this field, it needs it just needs to be more collaborative than it is. Or mm -hmm. like we're the we're the ones who are working with the kiddos directly and people above us are making those decisions when they barely know the kid. They go mm -hmm. off by they go off the data which is fine and all. I don't disagree with data, but mm -hmm. data only tells you so much. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm like, it blows my mind that they don't take behavior instructors' opinions or what we have to say into consideration as much as they should, at least in our experience, in my experience. I, that's why I'm like, why isn't this much more collaborative than it is like, oh, I'm making this the decision you have no say type of thing mm -hmm. yeah if you guys just listen to us you would avoid a lot of issues <laughs> mm -hmm. like i don't expect to be making those decisions but i would appreciate being taken into consideration mm -hmm. and really it, like actual consideration not just oh yeah i'll take it into consideration yeah we're doing it <laughs> like mm -hmm. Come on. Because what happens is that, and, and this is as real as we're going to get you guys, what happens is a lot of the times the people that are supposed to work in the educational team, they come in for 10, 15 minutes once a month. Mm -hmm. And it might be at Not a time when... 10 minutes. 10 minutes yeah. is generous. Maybe yeah. five. And then it might be at a time when they see the kiddo working nicely, listening, sitting. That's only 10 minutes of the day. They're not with the kiddos every day, five days a week for six and a half hours. Yep. I remember we I are. used to leave like extensive notes, like data, like, cause I'm a note taker. I will take notes forever. And I like writing and I like doing all that. So I used to have a, uh, <laughs> the back of my data sheet would be full of notes. And the mm -hmm. day that my BCBA took that away. I was like, but I write, and she's like, I know, but I wrote, I left this little piece at the bottom for you. And I was like, I can't wow. do notes like that. Like I had even my one page note noters. Yeah. They were full of notes. I need to write down every single factor that's going to affect my kid. So it's important. And then, and it's like, now I'm, I think back, like, did it even do anything? Did, was it even ever looked at? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because decisions are made based on getting a visit once a month, 10 minutes, and not even most of the times, it's not even talking to the child and just looking at them from afar mm -hmm. and I'm checking off boxes. Yeah, checking off boxes on that, on their notes or whatever, you talking know. Talking to so. you and being like, what's going on with this event? Yeah. So yeah, you guys. So let I think towards it. the end, I wasn't getting any visits. Yeah. Or you get visits and we're talking about other random things. <laughs> <laughs> Level two, requiring substantial support. So that's requiring like a more medium-ish. They have, they need more help with like social communication, interaction, repetitive behaviors. They just need a little bit more support. Yeah. You're going to redirect a lot more in this case. Yes. I think I've had more level two. 
Mm-hmm. I've had like one level three, maybe. Mm-hmm. And that was a very tough time because I had only been in the field for two months. Wow. And yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and that kiddo was in the transition of needing two aids. Wow. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Mm-hmm. just throw me in the fire but after i worked with that kiddo i was like okay i can work with any kiddo now yeah yeah so level two it's gonna be you know you're gonna redirect a lot more you're gonna check in a lot more you're not gonna be that far off with the other side of the classroom you're gonna be very close by but you're still gonna give space and these are it, it, these are things that you just kind of learn to kind of mm-hmm. juggle in the classroom mm-hmm and then so but it's also also at home too like yeah people have home home ABA sessions and stuff they're just gonna need a little more help yeah and then level three is requiring very substantial support that they're just gonna need a lot more redirection a lot more coping strategies a lot more um just a lot more help yeah level three you're going to be hands-on you're gonna be next to the child you're gonna redirect every transition so you're definitely it's someone that needs a lot more help from you period mm-hmm. and so where do you find these you guys when we say the dsm it is the it's a book that we get when we go to school <laughs> and it's the diagnostic and, and statistical manual of mental disorder i don't know if i know that they're like on dsm five mm-hmm. I don't know if there's been anything updated since. I don't know. Because I went to school, we were like on DSM 2. They don't update these so often. <laughs> so I don't know if that was the last, the last one, but in that book, you will find every diagnosis. There is everything you need to know about it. You're going to find that. Well, it's going to have a reference to it. It's going to find have a description of anything you need when it comes to mental health mental disorders and all that stuff yes any disorders any anything that's pretty much everything we've got for today mm-hmm. please check us out check out our website catch up on all our podcast episodes tune in every thursday to catch up on the latest topic and uh, we will catch you in the next one bye you bye. guys bye. <laughs>